episode 761 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, December 18th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm flying solo today for maybe the last time of 2019. If I'm starting to think about it, got an episode tomorrow with Justin. Christmas week is off. Maybe Monday or Tuesday, the 30th or the 31st. Maybe. But we're probably doing the last one solo of 2019. And uh, we got a little double dose for you. Like I said, uh, Justin and I are going tomorrow. So those of you traveling for the holidays, going to have two episodes for you here this week to keep you going. And I'm doing something I've been doing a lot of lately, uh, both on the pod and in writing, which is basically a list, you know, a, a group of players that I'm interested under a particular um, under a particular idea, you know, going here or from this or whatever. In this case, it's uh, going in the 16th round or later. So basically after pick 225. So why the first 15 rounds? I don't know. It felt like a good cutoff. You know, sometimes we like to do those, uh, the, those really cushy round numbers, like 200, 300, whatever. Well, I was looking at it and, uh, you know, there were some guys around the, the 250 and later mark that I liked. But then there were some before in that 200 to 250, or excuse me, in that 225 to 250 mark that I liked. So I just decided to bring them in. Okay. That's that's all that's all you really need to know. Actually, I'm looking at it now. Let's see. I think I could have gone deeper. I, I don't know if there is actually anybody in the 225 to 250 range here i guess i could have done like a 250 and beyond type of deal but it's an interesting group it's nine pitchers we run the gamut here from a 20 year old to a 34 well i guess 21 to 35 because they're going to be that eight that's going to be their age season next year and so we're talking obviously some veterans some young bucks some folks who barely pitched in the majors someone returning to the majors so let's just get into it now I just made a critical error and I could do one of two things. I could be a professional and either pause it or restart and go make the list in ADP order. Because what I did is I put them all on a, on a uh, Fangraphs custom leaderboard. So I've got the names here, but they are definitely not in ADP order. So I could do that or... I could just go in this order that's on here and tell you the ADP as, as we get to them. Now, which one do you think I'm going to do? That's right. We're just going to go in the order that they're in. Now, I believe that the first guy on my list, uh, my leaderboard, happens to be the first guy by ADP as well. And that's AJ Puck for the Oakland A's. 25-year-old left-hander. Uh, they had two lefties this year that... When I picked them to make a wild card, I thought would be a big part of their season. So the fact that I was right that they made the wild card, and I can you know chalk that up as a correct correct answer, is one of those uh, process versus versus result type of deals, or, or or better yet, like where you get the uh, the right answer in math when you're in uh, middle school or high school, but when you show the work, the work was wrong. Because if I showed my work on Oakland, I was wrong. Uh, I did not see 
you know, Mike Fires, Brett Anderson, and Chris Bassett being three really solid starters for them. Um, most of their offensive stuff I actually was on. Olsen, Chapman, Semyon, my boy Loriano. Uh, but I would not have had Chris Davis falling apart and Mark Canha basically filling in for him. You, you get the point. So Puck and Lazardo were supposed to be two big parts of it for me or for them in my calculation of them succeeding. They weren't, but I think in 2020 they could be. Now, Lazardo, or excuse me, uh, Lazardo, who I do like as well, but he's going much more, uh, much higher in ADP. For Puck, he's going around pick 250. 249 uh, to be exact here, ranging from 181 to 318. It's widely, uh, you know, largely available late. 98th pitcher off the board right now. That includes relievers because that's how NFBC breaks it down. He did get up and uh, throw 11 relief innings, 11 and a third with a 28% strikeout rate, 11% walk rate, 318 ERA, 132 whip. You know, kind of a a prototypical hard-throwing youngster. 97 miles per hour with the fastball. Um, really fastball slider dependent. The changeup is, is very much a show-me offering, particularly out of the bullpen. I think uh, I think we'll see it a bit more when he's starting this year. Uh, I certainly hope we do for, uh, for A.J. Puck. Now, the one thing about him, um, and this is factored into the cost, so I don't want to get too hung up on it, is that his innings will not be massive. I I wouldn't bet on them because he threw 25 major or excuse me minor league innings and then 11 in the minors. So you're talking 36 total after missing all of 18 he was returning from Tommy John, I believe. Um so you know, even though he is going to be 25 though. So I don't know how much they're going to like super baby him. I just think that maybe something around 2017's 125 innings is the right call for Puck. If you're trying to factor what you're going to get from him, because um, I don't know that they're going to have to be aggressive with it in terms of stifling his innings and give him like 80. I think as a 25 year old college product who's thrown over 100 as a pro in a season already, you can push the the 125 to 140 range, assuming he's healthy and and ready to go. So I really like Puck. I think uh, he's going to make a case to get in that rotation early next year it might be somebody that you have to put on reserve for a little bit but uh let me see what their rotation's shaping up as hang on here let's take a look fires mania montas lazardo bassett okay i guess he will need to find a spot puck will but he should be first man up and there's definitely some guys on here who are questionable you know bassett uh, a little bit questionable. Manaya's health has always been questionable. So I like AJ Puck. Um, I wonder, I wonder if they would bring him up early, have him in the bullpen as a piece, and then transition him into the rotation. Although we do know the stickiness of the bullpen could be a situation where he ends up staying there. But there's also some some Josh Hader esque. Uh, potential out of puck not just the fact that he's a lefty with long hair who kind of looks like him but uh the, the the skills and performance as well so aj puck first guy on our list next guy up i won't be too long on him because you guys are probably gonna get tired of me mentioning it mentioning him especially when he doesn't even have a team yet but it's taiwan walker who as i as i just said does not yet have a team he was non-tendered 
which makes sense. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. What was he slated to make? I don't know what Taiwan Walker was slated to make, but now I love what the Diamondbacks are doing. The things that they've been doing have been smart, but they paid him five mil to rehab. <clears throat> Excuse me. He finished the season with just an inning. He, he threw one inning in the majors in September, which I, I take away as a, a, a slight positive, by the way. Anytime I'm dealing with an injured guy, if they finish the season on the mound, I'm encouraged by that. Even something as small as one inning here. But, okay, so they pay him that money to rehab. Are they trying to work with him to bring him back cheaper? Or that are they really done with him? I mean, I guess he only threw 13 innings in 2018 as well. So they've already paid him basically 10 mil for 14 innings over two years. He was good for them. Taiwan Walker was good for the uh, D-backs back in 17. 157 innings of a 349 ERA, 133 whip. You guys know I would love to see the Tigers go for him. That's my team. Uh, a 27-year-old who's shown this kind of potential, while he has had basically two years lost to injury, can still bounce back from that. Every team should be interested, though. I don't know why you wouldn't be, um, you know, if you're a team, whether you're contending or a little bit deeper in your cycle um, to contend. Pick 391 off the board, absolutely dirt cheap. Taiwan Walker, you know how I feel. Next up, Jordan Montgomery, uh, another injury guy who did, I believe, finish the season on the mound. Um, he had, yeah, four innings. Again, you're not going crazy over four innings, but it's nice to see him back after after virtually missing all of 18, just 27 innings. Flashback to 2017, Jordan Montgomery was pretty nice. 388 ERA, 123 whip in those 155 innings. Now, they've strengthened the rotation out there in New York, particularly with Garrett Cole. So it's going to be Cole, Severino, Tanaka, Paxton, Hap. But they're talking about moving Hap, which would then open the door for Montgomery, I believe. Or Lois Sega, I guess. Yeah. Okay, he's a little bit of a tougher draft. I, I, I'm going to be truthful with you. all I forgot about Hap for a second because they've been talking about dealing him so much that I forgot that he's got that fifth start fifth starter spot locked up because if they aren't able to trade him they're not gonna put Hap in the bullpen for that kind of money because he's still a capable starter like he's not terrible I know uh last year was certainly far from his best year for Hap he had a 491 ERA and 130 whip but like as a fifth starter you can do worse so they would stick with him there so Montgomery becomes like a sixth man type but a lot of the, well, not a lot, all these drafts so far are draft and hold. So if you are doing those during the winter, guys that are uh, without a position but could play into a, a strong position if, if an injury strikes or something are good plays. And I do believe that, that both Puck and Montgomery fit that bill. Don't worry, these are not all sixth and seventh starters that you can't use. We're going to have some other guys here who are definitely in the mix, uh, in their rotations already. But I do like Jordan Montgomery. Keep a close eye on him. He's still relatively young, too. He's going into his age 28 season. Um, no, actually, that's going to be, hang on, let me check. 27, age 27 season for the left-hander, Jordan Montgomery. So I do like him with the Yanks. Maybe he gets dealt, right? Maybe to take Hap, a team says, give us Jordan Montgomery as well. 
and so you know they they get a little something on the on the younger side for taking on Hap's money. Find a team that needs multiple arms, and then uh, and then you got something going there. Uh, all right, two veterans in a row here. Next up is Cole Hamels. It's about as boring as it gets, sure. And I talked about this when uh, when he signed with Atlanta um, when I wrote it up and on the pod. But like, come on, I am I am signing up for Cole Hamels in fantasy this year. Pick two eighty two. What are we doing? Like, I get I get the the chronic ageism that is in fantasy. He's gonna be thirty six next year. But come on. You look at his uh, 23% strikeout rate, same as it was in 18, um, 9% walk rate. That's about average, 8 to 9% the last two years. Home runs came back down after a spike in 18 from 1-4 to 1-1-1. He's going to go to Atlanta, which should be around Wrigley, nothing too crazy and out of Texas. You know, Texas definitely amped him up there, and that's why he was at 1.4 um, for that season in 18 for Cole Hamels. So going to Atlanta, I think, is going to be a good fit for him. They've got a quality defense. Everything adds up. And if you really break down his season, he just wasn't right after returning from health. And I understand that lingering health concerns for a 36-year-old, okay. But we talk about this a lot. That's built into the price. Don't double count that as a negative against him. Don't say, okay, yeah, whatever on Hamels, but also this injury. No, no, no. He's 282 because he's 36 years old, came off an injury last year that definitely hampered him down the stretch because he had a 298, actually a 284 in his first 18 starts for Cole Hamels, comes back from the injury, gets walloped twice. Frankly, then he really settled down uh, over the last seven. They, they actually weren't even that bad. There was one other dud there, but he went 3-2-2-5-1-2-0 in his earned runs um after that for a 422 ERA because the inning started to get shortened to three and a third four and a third three and a third and four in September for Cole Hamels bottom line though is he comes in healthy ready to go in spring training this is another I don't know 180 innings of quality work now he does have sub 152 of the last three years again that's part of the price for Cole Hamels so you're buying and saying okay I'll take a buck fifty, knowing that you could reasonably get a hundred and ninety. I'm in. It's boring, but it's 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 good. And when you're taking your your AJ Pucks and your Sandy Alcantaras and your Jose Urquides back there, and you mix in a Hamels, I think you 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 diversify your risk profile a bit, which I'm open for because there's also a notion in fantasy that drives me nuts that. No old guy has upside. You only have upside via youth. Horseshit. I don't agree with that. And I think that uh, I, I think that somebody like Cole Hamels does have upside. The upside would be you know, not getting hurt and not necessarily holding what he did all year last year uh, through those first 18 for all year. I don't think he's going to have a 284 ERA because even that, the skills were saying more of like a low to mid threes. But if he put up, if Cole Hamels put up a buck 80, of a 3.40 ERA, I would not be that surprised. Again, that is not my expectation, but it would not overly surprise me. So that's where I'm at on Cole Hamels. Kind of an easy investment for me because he is so cheap. 
And uh, we'll move on to the next oldie here. Annabelle Sanchez, who is going pick 328 uh, a little bit after Hamels because, you know, he doesn't have quite the track record and his injury, his health track record is much worse. The last time he threw over 170 innings was uh, 2013 for Sanchez. So you know coming in you're really paying for like a buck 20. But that buck 20 should be pretty good and has been. Um, he had the huge re- rebirth in 18. Annabelle Sanchez did. Nobody bought it. It was dirt cheap. I mean, nobody bought it, meaning the market was so low on him that if you did like him, you could invest at nothing. And I think you got exactly what you paid for because I was one of the ones pushing to go for him last year and saying, you know what? This is this is well-priced. Go for it. And you got 166 innings of a 3.85 ERA and a 127 whip from Anibal Sanchez at age 35 on the Nats. Bingo. Dig it. Like, I mean, what more could you have asked for? So I, I am 100% in on that as well. And uh, he's going to be the fifth starter. Excuse me, he's going to be the fourth starter right now for the Nats. I think that that totally works. I don't know what else I really can say here except that another crusty vet that you can mix in to your uh, uh, your, your rookies and, and young flyers that you're taking picks on to kind of balance things out a little bit. Because when healthy, Anibal Sanchez is going to be in a rotation. You can't always say that about those young guys. Like A.J. Puck can come into the season fully healthy. He's not necessarily going to be in the A's rotation just because of that. All right, now we get into uh, a little bit of the youth. Bruzdar Gratterall, not a fake name, actually a real name and a very cool one, Bruzdar. Dope. That's a pretty dope name. I like that. Bruzdar Gratterall for the Minnesota Twins, if you're unfamiliar, actually debuted this past year. He threw nine and two-thirds innings and um, you know, out of the bullpen for them. You might have missed it if you really weren't uh, – dialed in on on the twins or anything al central um you know 466 era 124 whip we're not bugging out over that but 25 percent strikeout rate and a five percent walk rate nine and two-thirds nine and two-thirds nine and two-thirds i'll keep saying that because that mitigates any interest positive or negative for the stats but he came in struck out guys didn't walk any 99 mile per hour fastball here it was a fastball-slider combo almost exclusively. He threw his changeup 2% of the time, did Bruzdar Gratterall. But he made it from rookie ball to the majors. He went rookie to double-A, where he spent the bulk of his season, to triple-A to the majors. Uh, 52 and two-thirds at double-A, 171 ERA, 101 whip, and then five and a third at triple-A. And he was primarily a reliever. Um, actually, uh, let's see. The breakdown might actually be about even because he had nine starts at double A. Hang on, let's let's get the full numbers here. Actually, probably relieved more than he started, if in terms of appearances, because he had eleven minor league starts to seven relief appearances, and then ten relief. Oh, seventeen. Okay, so it was a um, seventeen relief appearances, eleven starts across all you know, 70 and two-thirds innings for Bruce Dark Gratterall this year. 
Now he's a 20-year-old who, you know, basically breezed through a bunch of levels, essentially skipped AAA when you consider it's five and a third. So, you know, coming in at age 21, I don't know that he's necessarily going to make their rotation out of spring. So it's another more of like a stash guy or a 50-round draft and hold fit. But things really open up after Barrios and Odorizzi. They got Smelt, Devin Smeltzer, Randy Dobnik, and Lewis Thorpe, all of whom could, you know, end up being fine for them and and really kind of owning the rotation for the bulk of the year. But then Gratterall is looming there as somebody who could really, like, he's one of those guys, I, I could totally see it. One of those guys that, when you kind of hype him up, it's like, oh, yeah, he doesn't have a spot, though. Where's he going to play? Don't even worry about it. And then all of a sudden, by May, he's dominating, and he's like the the hot new sensation, and everyone's like, well, how the hell did I not realize this guy, right? This is one of those key cases of don't get overly hung up on the path right now and kind of focus on the skills. Um, this has been a, a recurring thing over the last several years in, in the league, where rookies are playing more and more and so you cannot just totally bug out on what the uh, depth chart looks like right now I understand the reasons to think that a 21 year old flamethrower with only two pitches is going to go back to AAA and kind of figure some things out there I get that I totally get that that is the likeliest path for Gratterall don't rule out the special path though where he goes down there Pitches well in AAA for a month. Something happens where somebody underperforms or there's an injury and they call up Bruce Dark Gratterall and he takes the league by storm. That is a potential as well. And again, I will say the counter will be like, well, I can't, you know, I can't draft a ton of guys like that. Well, of course you can't. That's why you mix in your Hamels and your Sanchez's and you're getting them at 457. Pick 457 for Bruce Dark Gratterall. So all the worries and concerns are baked in okay so just keep a little star next to him and don't forget about bruce dark grand roll because i also feel there's a scenario where if he goes out and just decimates spring training then they have to you know they have to bring him up earlier uh, because he's just he's one of their best five options pitchers especially right this idea that pitchers have a finite amount of bullets and that when they start showing that the uh, the arm is clicking at peak, you gotta go. Like you got you gotta you gotta get them in the rotation, you gotta get them in the majors doing the damn thing. So I like Bruce Dark Gratterall for the Minnesota Twins, put a little star next to him, uh, AL only, deeper leagues, and then hopefully he becomes a, a mixed league candidate for us. All right, who is next? Oh, Pablo Lopez for the uh, Miami Marlins. Remember him? There was some love for him uh, coming into this past year. I know uh, Nick Polk and I had a little bit of a discussion on him. and We actually had a little bit of a disagreement where I, 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 I probably came out more negative on Pablo. The idea was um, he was saying that the downside was like a 410 ERA. And I was like, well, no, no. The downside is much, much worse than that. But the idea was... He he liked the uh, he liked the foundation that somebody like Pablo Lopez had, and obviously the the season went south. 
He had a 509 ERA, but a 428 FIP. Like there were still some underlying things that were good. 20% strikeout, 6% walk. Um, if you look at what Pablo Lopez does, there are reasons that you can get excited about him, th- about thinking that there's more for his strikeout potential. Uh, particularly with the fastball changeup combo. Now, if you could get the curveball to be more of a swing and miss pitch, then I really think strikeout per inning would be a uh, a not only potential but almost a likelihood for Pablo Lopez. Throws 94 from the right side, can bump it up to the mid high 90s uh, when he needs it. Throws 86 on the changeup, so you got a decent split there. And the changeup is is a solid pitch for him. It's already been a good offering for Pablo Lopez. He'll be 24 next year. The curveball comes in at 80, so he has three different velocity levels. But the curveball has been a little bit of an issue, uh, other than the fact that it does give him that that third velo level. So there's definitely some work to be done there. We've seen the curveball not not be as bad though. Like uh, if you just flash back to 18. When uh, Pablo Lopez threw 59 innings, the curveball was more effective than, of course, the fastball was problematic. And so, you know, he hasn't been able to get all three pitches working in concert just yet, uh, at least for a full season. He has, obviously, um, you know, for four starts here, five starts there, that sort of stuff. But I think Lopez is going to be a forgotten guy because of a 509 ERA and being on the being on the Marlins is already puts, puts you in like no man's land because nobody wants to mess with that once you're once you're on the Marlins. But then throw in a five ERA and it's like, okay, what what are we doing here? There was a really interesting stretch this year when the Mets absolutely tanked Lopez for ten earned in three innings. And I'm sure anybody that had him cut him. So what does he do? A week later, he bounces back with seven shutout innings against the very same team. <laughs> One hit in seven innings against the Mets. Bounced right back, and that really spurred a little six-game run where he had a 2.27 ERA in 35 and two-thirds, and then he got wobbly again in two starts. And actually, there was an injury. Uh, hang on, let's see. I forget what Pablo Lopez's injury was, because he had that run, which led to Jan- June 15th. Got hurt, didn't return until August 26th. So let me see what that injury. And he was bumpy when he got back. Pablo Lopez of the Marlins is who we're talking about here. And he had a strained right shoulder. Okay, so he came back. He was poor in his first two outings, 10 runs over eight innings. But then wasn't too bad in September. Um, when you kind of look at it game to game, there's like, you know, a good one here, a good one there, a good one there, and then two, I, I would say two good one mediocre and two duds. Okay, that's a, you know, I don't want to I don't want to oversell that for his September, but coming back from that shoulder, it looked like he was more himself in September um for Pablo Lopez. So, he should have a job. Caleb Smith, Sandy Alcantara, Jose Ureña, Jordan Yamamoto and Pablo Lopez looks like they're five. Um trying to think if there's anybody I'm missing. I don't think like an Eliezer Hernandez or Robert Duggar deserve the spot over him. If he if if Lopez loses it to one of them later, sure. But I think he gets first shot here. So, um, you know, there was some of the hype last year built up, uh, and now this year I think it's kind of the year to buy in because it didn't go as well, and and no one's going to be as hyped. And he's coming at pick three forty one for Pablo Lopez. Now, if I told you 
that there was a Lopez on this list and given you the parameters of what pick we're looking at or later, you'd have definitely thought it was Reynaldo Lopez. So, you know, let's pat me on the back for not gushing over Reynaldo Lopez for the five trillionth time. Although I still found a way to bring him up. <laughs> I still found a way to get a little Raylo mention. Um, and he's going pick 299. Then you should maybe just get it. Okay, I'll shut up. I'll shut up. I'll shut up. All right, our last guy here was kind of nagging at me um, on the list of hot stove moves when I uh, when we were when we were doing that big that big one last time out um, the the last episode that we did like we were we were going deep and getting everybody in there and it was the big one and I kept looking I kept looking I said hey all right, let, let's let's tack on this move, and it was for Josh Lindblom, for the uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers coming back from overseas. And uh, let me get this right. I think it was the KBO, but I don't want to get it wrong. So let me look. Coming back from the KBO, yes, the Korean Baseball Organization, where he was an absolute monster for three years, including the last two. Where he had 288 and 250 ERA respectively with a 107 and uh, 1.00 whips as well. Now the write-up on him, I don't want to. Uh, I, I I don't want to pretend that I've done a whole lot of study on him. This is coming from reading other stuff, and namely in this instance, I'll be citing MLB trade rumors. They talk about how he didn't go over there and discover a bunch of velocity. He's a spin guy, though. He's got crazy good spin on his fastball, and that's what really uh, drives the success of his 91-mile-per-hour heater. And so um, he's gone more four-seam heavy, getting rid of the two-seamer, which is great for where MLB is going. He did, in fact, adopt a splitter. Again, this is from MLB Trade Rumors on Josh Lindblom, which turned into a big weapon for him. So he was not an over-the-top strikeout guy. He struck out 8.4 and 8.7. In the KBO in those two years, 9.4 his first year, but the two years where he was uh, one of the very best pitchers in the league was at 8.4 and 8.7. So just under a strikeout per inning, but really limiting hard contact, keeping the ball in the yard, and doing a lot of positive things. Here's the thing, man. I'm at a point where I'm taking a shot on these on these returners and even the newcomers coming over from overseas because the price is usually so obviously unless it's like an Otani or a Tanaka somebody that we know and have major expectations tied to otherwise the other guys just come over like I know Kikuchi just flopped right we just had him come over and it did not go well but honestly more often than not they return some value so I'm going to take a shot on Josh Lindblom and could get a Miles Michaelis situation. He's 558 right now in in uh, ADP for Josh Lindblom. That's nothing. Like that's not even going in standard leagues. That's because he's in draft and hold. The price will rise, I think, especially if he has a strong spring. And as more more and more people talk about him in the off season, the price will go up. But it will never get to a point where I'm like, oh, that's too high. That we can't do that. The only scenario I, I shouldn't say never the only scenario where i can maybe see that is if he absolutely beasts out in spring training and his price just gets uh you know it just goes sky high 
but I don't even necessarily see that. Like, what's what's really the max that a Josh Lindblom could go to? What I wish I had, I think it's on my other computer, so that's kind of annoying. Um, I wish I had the 2018 NFBC uh, ADP because then I could see where Michaelis was going two years ago. And I think I have the 17 ADP on a different computer or else that'd be nice to see where where uh, Michaelis was going because he started to get some hype. And um, I thought I found it. Sorry. No, I, I don't I don't have it on this particular computer. I thought I had it in one of my Dropbox folders that I could access from anywhere. But I'd like to see where the max of Michaelis was going because I don't even think there's going to be as much hype on Lindblom as there was on Michaelis. And so I'm in. I'm going to take a shot in a lot of league formats, dude. Not just the 50 round draft and hold. Definitely 15ers. I could see him as my last pick in a 12 team for Josh Lindblom. You know, I just, I like these returns. Um, when they go over there, they beast out, they come back, and they don't have to be the same level. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a beast for MLB the way he was in the KBO, but I think Josh Lindblom can come back and be a solid. 380 ERA with a good whip type of guy. Even if it's more of like a 420 ERA, but it is like a really good whip, like my boy Joe Musgrove. And I've talked to you guys about how often or how much those guys get uh, underrated. The guys who've got a uh, mediocre to poor ERA, but a good whip versus somebody with a great ERA or a good ERA and a poor whip will be overrated to high heaven. It's, it's, such a weird phenomenon to me. But uh, anyway, that's Josh Lindblom, and that's going to be our eight-pack. Again, it's A.J. Puck, Taiwan Walker, Jordan Montgomery, Cole Hamels, Annabelle Sanchez, Bruce Dargraderall, Pablo Lopez, and Josh Lindblom. Eight guys going after the 15th round that uh, that I like for 2020 in various league formats and setups. A lot of different guys there, a lot of different avenues where you can find a fit for them, but those are the ones I like. If you want to look up the ADP data, I'll put it in the show notes. You can leave in the comments or hit me up on Twitter at Spore of some of the guys that you like going in that range that maybe I haven't mentioned. Because like I said, I tried to not just uh, keep talking about the same guys that I'm always on about, like, um, you know, Reynaldo Lopez, Garrett Richards, Jose Arquiti, Mitch Keller, who I, uh, I'm jumping on board with Nick on that one. Uh, etc etc Dylan Bundy I didn't want to just do the same old same old so hopefully this is a new group of guys that you guys can uh, uh, find some interest in anyway thank you for listening again back tomorrow with Justin we're giving you a two-pack for the holidays peace